0: Well, good morning, and welcome to all of you guys who are joining us from our Ashley Park campus. We're glad to have you, and for those of you joining us online, we're excited that you're tuned in as well. Well, recently, uh, I heard a story, and it was about this young man who was getting ready to go off to college, and uh, he was heading off to college, and he was planning on staying in one of the dorms there on campus. And as a part of the school's process of getting you into a dorm room, What they wanted to do is find you a roommate that you'd be compatible with, and so they had given him this questionnaire, and it was just basic questions, general questions about what he was like, what he liked, what he didn't like, just general personality type stuff, so that they would be able to hopefully match him up with somebody that he would be compatible with and get along with, and they'd be good roommates. And so this young man is is going through this questionnaire, and they're asking him questions, like for instance, one of the questions was, uh, "Do you make your bed every morning?" and he but yes, I make my bed every morning. And then another question was, Are you a neat freak? And he's like, Yes, I am a neat freak. Do you like things organized? And do you like things put in their place? And yes, that is me. And the whole time he's taking this quiz, he doesn't know it, but his mom's standing over his shoulder watching him answer all these questions. And after a while, she just couldn't take it anymore. And finally, the mom chimes in and she goes, Son, are you serious? none of that's true. I mean, your room is a pigsty. Your room is the worst room in our house. You are the farthest thing from a neat freak. You don't have anything in its place. So why in the world would you say that all of that's true? And he looked back at his mom and he goes, and what, mom? Have them put me with some slob? <laughs> and what that illustrates is something that, well, we've actually talked about around here before. Have you noticed how easy it is for people, for us, for me, and for you, to look at other people and see their flaws, but when it comes to our own, well, that's not so easy to see. In fact, let me take it to this area. Ever noticed how you're in relationship with people, and all the people that you're in relationship with, and you ever noticed how all of them have just got these quirks, these these tendencies Uh, In other words, these just ways of doing life, just things that they're into or the the way that they do things, the way they say things, or the way they operate in this world, and you look at them and you think to yourself, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, why would anybody live that way? Or why would anybody act that way? Or why would anybody like what they like? And and it just doesn't make any sense to you. They just seem like odd tendencies. But then you've got some tendencies, and I've got some tendencies, and well, we look at our own and we think, well, those aren't quirks those are completely normal. Why? Because they make total sense to you, right? Because they're yours. They're normal to you. And you don't understand why when people look at your quirks and your, your little ways of doing things, you, you wonder, why doesn't it make sense to everybody? Now, of course, I, I'll admit, I have some flaws and I'm not perfect. But at the same time, have you ever noticed that every person you're in a relationship with, their flaws and their imperfections feel worse to you than yours feel to you. I mean, it's just, it's different, isn't it? I mean, we all look at them and we say, well, I, I may have some stuff to ch- get to get right and change, but boy, do they ever have something they need to change. I mean, this is just, in fact, it gets to the point where many times we're in a relationship with someone and we see something and it's so bad, it, it bothers us so much, it's so irritating that we'll get to the point where we'll say, well, this flaw or this imperfection or this tendency you have, if this doesn't change, that's a deal breaker because I don't think I can handle that anymore and you got to fix that. But if someone were to come to me and say the same thing about my deals or my flaws, well, I'd wonder what's the big deal about it. Now, think of it this way. It's kind of like bad breath. You ever thought about this? I mean, if somebody else has bad breath, that's a problem for me, right? (laughs) But when I have bad breath, not a problem at all because I don't smell my own bad breath. In fact, I think if you say something about my bad breath, you're just being a little too sensitive. Maybe you need a mint, not me. See, it's just true of all of us. I mean, I think it's just human nature. We can never really see our own faults with clarity, but we see everybody else's issues with precision clarity. So here we are. We're in this series and it's called How to Kill a Relationship in 30 Days. And we've been looking at things that kill a relationship. In fact, we said, let's let's don't just look at how to build a good relationship. Let's go from, it and from, it from the other direction. And let's say, what are the things that can sabotage a relationship? What are some things that can derail a relationship? And so we're looking at five things over the course of these next few weeks. And we're looking at what kills relationships. And so remember in week one, we talked about how communication is the number one killer of relationships and how we often communicate in code and and I don't listen to what people actually are saying, and they don't hear exactly what I'm saying, and relationships get off track. And then last week, you know, Nathan came and talked to us about the, the way that we tend to want to always manipulate and get our own way in a relationship, and we become inflexible, and that's another relationship killer. And this week, we're talking about another one, and all these things, they come from this, this survey that was done by like 100,000 counselors, close to 3 million couples, And they determined these are the fastest ways to undermine and kill a relationship. And today, I want to talk to you about another one. If you want to kill a relationship, here's all you need to do. Start spending all of your time and all of your energy and just focus on what's wrong. In particular, focus on what's wrong with the other person. And like I just said, that's one of the easiest things to do. Because again, it is so easy to see what's wrong with you, but I can't hardly ever see what's wrong with me. And the research bears this out. In in the survey that was done, out of all the couples that participated, they found that 83% of the marriages that were in trouble said this. They said, my partner's too negative or too critical of me. 83%. And then 80% of the troubled marriages said, my partner actually makes comments that put me down. And on the flip side of that, 79% of the ones that were happy, the happy couples, said, my partner doesn't do that. They don't make comments that put me down. So you see how the contrast works. Now, let me say this as well before we move on, because we've been saying this the whole series. This is not just for married couples. I mean, if you're here and you're thinking, well, I'm not married or or whatever, and this is not for me. No, this, this, this stuff we're learning, it applies to all relationships. So nobody's exempt from this. So if you're married or you're single well, this series is for you. If, if you're uh, single and one day you'd like to be married, man, this series is for you too. If, if you're single and you decide, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to be married or I don't want to be married, this series is still for you. And if you're married and you'd like to be single right now, oh boy, is this series for you. You really need to listen to this. So this is for everybody. So I want to start with a a quick quiz, and this is part of the study that was done, and I just want you to grade yourself on this. It's a multiple-choice question. Uh, Just choose whichever one uh, fits you, and it'll kind of give us a gauge on where we are on this. So we'll bring these up on the screen, and you just think about the answers, okay? First question. If you heard all of my thoughts, see, if if someone were to listen to what you think about all the time, would they say that you are mostly negative and critical, that you're often negative and critical, that you're sometimes positive and you believe the best, or that most of the time you're positive and you believe the best. So give yourself a letter grade on that. Are you A, B, C, or D? All right? Choose one. Got it? Second question. What I hear in my head, in other words, when I think about myself, when I mess up, when I make a mistake, what do I mostly hear? A, personally condemning. B, self-critical. C, I'm more comforting in my thoughts, or D, reassuring and hopeful kind of thoughts. Give yourself a grade. What do you mostly think about yourself when you mess up, A, B, C, or D? All right. Now, let me just say this. If you scored pretty much in the A and B category on both of those questions, in other words, if you, you, you said, you know, I'll admit it, I tend to lean toward the negative side, then what we're talking about today is definitely something that you want to lean into and listen to. And, and I'll just be honest, full disclosure on this, I've been doing some discovery about myself over the past few months and years, and I've I've come to know that I'm one of those people. I hang out in the A, B category a whole lot, mainly because my personality leads me to be more of a perfectionist. I like things done right, and I like to see things fixed that are not right. And and that's not always a bad thing. In fact, I've learned that many times your greatest strength can be your your worst enemy. But See, if, you're, if, 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 I'm, if you want to talk to me about doing something or getting a, a job done, man, I'm your man because I like to see things done right. So if, if you want something done right, come to me. I'll help you get it done right because I'm such a perfectionist and I like to see things done that way. And that's a good quality. But on the other hand, it can be my worst enemy because the problem is when I see something, I tend to want to look at what's wrong so that I can fix it because I want to see everything done right. And a lot of you may relate to this. You find yourself being a little bit more critical in your thinking when you see stuff in your life, right? And again, critical thinking is not a bad thing. I mean, there's a time to be critical. In fact, there's times in your life when you want people to be critical. I'll give you an example. When you go see a doctor... You want that doctor to be a critical thinker. You don't want a doctor to walk into the, to the office and, and look at you and say, yeah, I, I know your foot is messed up and it's all swollen and it's actually pretty infected, but hey, look, the rest of your body is perfectly healthy, so why don't we just focus on the positive and don't worry so much about the negative, and, and let's see how that goes. You don't want that. You need someone who can look at what's wrong and fix what's wrong because you need critical thinking when it comes to your body and when it comes to a doctor. Sometimes we need that. But see, critical thinking, where it can be good in some situations, critical thinking does not work so well when it comes to relationships. See, when you're someone with someone and all they end up talking about, all they end up focusing on is what's wrong with you or what's wrong with this or what's wrong with her and what needs to be changed, you just know that relationship that you have, it's not going to be very healthy. Because, see, if I wanted somebody to just always be critical of me, I could go find that. I could go, like, to work, you know? I could go to work where they always tell me what I'm doing wrong and what I need to do. I don't need it when I come home. See, when we come home or when we we go out with friends and we're hanging out with the people that we love, critical thinking is not what I want in that moment. I don't want that because it's not just about me getting fixed, and I don't want to hear your criticism. And if you're a person who tends to be a critical thinker all the time, and you look at things from that perspective, if you're only ever talking or thinking about, how can this be made better? How does this person need to get fixed? Or here's all the bad stuff, and here's all the things that make me crazy, and I want to see this different. Trust me, this may sting a little bit, but you are no fun to live with. And I'm talking to myself on this too, because I can wind up being that person. Nobody likes to be around somebody who's only ever critical. And I know what all you critical thinkers are thinking, because I think the same thing. You're thinking, well, if I don't point out what's wrong, who's going to do it? I mean, if there's a problem, somebody's got to fix it, right? If I don't say something, who's going to fix it? But here's what you always have to remember about this. See, you, you get to choose your attitudes. So do I, because we control our own attitudes. I control mine, you control yours. And you can still think critically when it comes to solving problems. But when it comes to how I treat people, I have to think, I have to act differently. Why? Because problems are problems people are people, and they're different. See, you don't have a relationship with problems, (laughs) but you do have relationships with people, and constant critical thinking, it kills relationships. Now, this all comes back to uh, something we learned back in September. If you were around here, we did a series called Hope and Anxiety, and we learned a lot of things about how our brains are wired, and we We talked about how our brains literally can be shaped by the thoughts that we think. It's this relatively new scientific thing that they've discovered called neuroplasticity. Basically, what we learned is that if you constantly are thinking only negative things and you're only focused on what's negative, you're molding your brain to to think like that. It's almost like you're digging a rut into your brain where every time you, you think a thought, it just rolls right down into the negative rut. But we learned if you can make that shift and start thinking differently, start focusing more on the positive instead of the negative, you can actually dig a new rut into your brain. You can develop new patterns and new habits so that your default way of thinking will go towards the positive and not just the negative. This is why the Bible teaches us, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent, things that are worthy of praise. And science is just confirming to us what the Bible's been teaching for 2,000 years. That this is healthy for us. It's good for us. In fact, in, in her book called uh, Switch on Your Brain, there's a, a, a neuroscientist, her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she talks about this idea, and she reveals some really fascinating discoveries about how our brains are wired and how they work. And I just want to share with you a couple quotes from her book just to, uh, to clue you in on some of this stuff. She said it this way. She said, when you think, you build thoughts. And these become physical substances in your brain. It's amazing, if you think about that for a moment, to realize that my thoughts change me. They change my brain. They change my body. They change how I react. They change how I live. I can change all of that by just thinking different thoughts. She says this. She said, you can't control the events and circumstances of your life, but you can control your reaction. And, And we've talked about this before. We get to decide our attitude towards the people in our lives, toward the circumstances in our lives, what we're going to think about all of those things. And I can't control what other people do or what situations come to my to my life, but I can control how I respond. She says this. She said, Good thinking equals good choices, which equals healthy, tho- healthy thoughts. Toxic thinking equals toxic choices, which leads to toxic thoughts. It's like a cycle. The way we think has real consequences in our lives. So, If you constantly are leaning on negativity and thinking those things, then that's going to lead you somewhere. But on the other hand, (laughs) thinking more positively leads you in a different direction. She says you're designed to stand outside yourself and observe your own thinking and to change it. Now that's an amazing thing when you just sit and just dwell on it for a moment. It's an amazing part of what it really means to be human. Think about it this way. Unlike any other creature that God has made in this world, Human beings have this ability. We can actually think about our thinking. I know that may sound confusing, but just consider that. You and I are designed to stand outside of our thoughts and actually think thoughts about the way that we think. No other creature does that. It's a unique stamp that God put onto us. It's why the Bible teaches us that we can take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Romans 12.2 teaches us that we can change into a new person by changing the way that we think, by thinking on our thinking. That's an amazing thought. One last quote from Dr. Lee. She says, Every morning when you wake up, you have these new baby nerve cells born inside your brain to use wisely as you remove bad thoughts and wire in some new ones. I think that echoes what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.16. It says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits or our inner lives they're being renewed every single day. In other words, every day you get to wake up and I get to wake up and we make a fresh start. We get a new chance. And every day when you you get out of bed, you get to decide what am I going to dwell on today? What kind of thoughts am I going to entertain in my mind? And when it comes to the people that I'm around, the people in my relational world, my spouse, my children, my siblings, my parents, the people that I work with, the friends that I encounter today at school, am I going to focus only on what's wrong with all of these people, or am I going to look at them in a different way? Am I going to focus on what's good, and what's right, and what's praiseworthy, and what's 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 positive about them, the things that I can be thankful for? And you just need to know. You make one choice, that's going to build your relational world, but you make another choice, and that's going to kill it. Not to mention the damage that it does to you, to your brain, to even your body. See, this is why I think for all of the good that it does in our world, social media can be so dangerous. In fact, I think not handled well, social media can actually kill our brains. Because think about it this way. I see a picture of someone. You go on social media, you go to Facebook, you go to Instagram, and you see a picture of what someone looks like. Or you just read about something that they're up to, something that they're doing in their day. And can we just be honest? (laughs) Everything you see on social media, for the most part, is a cleaned up, sanitized, carefully crafted snapshot of a person's life. It's not real life. It's just the part that people want you to see. I mean, nobody goes on Facebook and shares what they look like when they first get out of bed. Nobody shares that stuff. Nobody shares the argument that they're having or the bad day that they're having. Nobody shares the worst moments, the most depressing moments, the most embarrassing moments of their life. And so when you look at something like that on, on, on social media, you start to think some thoughts. Your mind goes to some things. And mostly what our minds go to is comparison. We start thinking thoughts like this. Well. I don't look like that. My, my spouse doesn't look like that. I don't ever get to go on trips that nice, or I don't get to eat that food. I wish my kids were that sweet or that cute. I wish my husband bought me gifts like that. I wish my wife were as fun as her. See where your thoughts go. You're, you're not being led to think positively about the people in your life the people that you're in relationship with. It's causing you to only see what's deficient, what's wrong, and you're just dwelling on it. And you're comparing yourself to something that's a standard that's not even real. I I tell my kids this all the time because I want them to be so careful in this world of social media. I say, just always remember, whenever you see something online, you're comparing your worst characteristics that you know and only you know with the highlight reel of someone else's life. So you're comparing something that is real with something that's not real or something at least is not the full picture. Because you have the full picture, nobody else does, and you certainly don't have the full picture of their life. I don't care who you are. You are not what your online profile says you are. Can we just be flat-out honest about that? I mean, you've had this experience. I know I have. Have ever run into somebody, and you had not seen them in a long time, but you've watched them on social media? Or maybe you just run into somebody you've only ever seen on Facebook or Instagram. And and the first thought you have is, she don't look anything like that. (laughs) Or he doesn't look anything like his profile picture. I mean, it's like, it's hard to even know if it's the same person. And see, here's the point. All we're doing is just setting ourselves up to be disappointed. You're training your mind to just dwell on what's wrong with me and what's wrong with them and what's not right. And, And you're training your mind not to see the good. And you continue to do that long enough. Your mind will just go there automatically, and it'll become all you ever see. And in the process, what you're doing is you're damaging your thought life, but you're mostly damaging the relationships that you're in, and it hurts other people. John Levy, he's a psychiatrist and counselor. He says it this way. He says, people who found everything disappointing when they were singles are surprised and pained when marriage proves to be no exception. (laughs) See, if you train your thinking to only dwell on what's wrong with people all the time, That doesn't change just because you got married, or it doesn't change just because you got into a relationship. In fact, when you start out in a relationship with somebody, most of the time you see all these quirks and imperfections and these weird things, and you just kind of laugh them off because, hey, it's cute, you know? It's no big deal. But then you hang out in the relationship long enough, or once you do get married and you're there for a while, and those things that used to be things you overlooked, now they're the things that drive you crazy. (laughs) You don't overlook them anymore. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, for those of us uh, who've been married a while, I mean, how many of these things ha- have, we, have we struggled with? For instance, why is it that you can't roll the toothpaste from the bottom? Why is it you got to squeeze the toothpaste from the middle? Everybody knows you don't do it that way. Everybody knows you squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom, right? Or, how in the world did all this hair get on my shower wall? I live with women, so this is like a real problem for me. Like, I walk into the shower, and it's like I can make 12 wigs out of the amount of hair that I find in my shower. And it's like, what are you people doing? You know? And it drives me crazy. Or, or how about this one? Because I think we've all had this one. Everybody knows that you roll the toilet paper over the top, right? Right? Yeah, you roll the toilet paper over. Okay. I hear that this is like a, a thing that splits people down the middle, so why don't we do a quick quiz on this. All of you who say that the toilet paper, no, the toilet paper goes underneath. You roll toilet paper from the bottom. Raise your hands. Come on, everybody at Ashley Park, play along. Get yourself on the record. All the underneath people, raise your hands. Okay. All right, there's your vote. Now, all of you who say, no, the toilet paper goes over the top, raise your hands. Get, let's get everybody on record for that one. Okay, now you've, you've made your stand. Now, here's what I want to tell you. All of you who just voted and said that the toilet paper goes over the top, congratulations, you are right. And I'll tell you why you're right. You're right because that's how I do it. (laughs) No, actually, it's more than that. I actually looked it up. I found the patent for toilet paper from 1891. Here's the picture. See this? See? This ought to take care of it once and for all. The original patent for toilet paper tells us that it goes over the top. All right? So... All you people over the top people, y'all can just pat yourselves on the back and we can all be excited cuz we're right. Now, look back up here. Can I say one thing? All of you who just got proven right, me included. Here's one thing I want you to know. Let it go. Let's just let it go. And you know why we should let it go? Because it's toilet paper. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's ridiculous. Why are we fighting over this stupid stuff? Now, <laughs> Let me tell you why I made all these, those points. Because I want to talk to you about something that I think is really doing damage to most of our relationships, and most of us don't even realize it. And, and it, it's not going to feel correct when I say it, but it's true. You know what's killing your relationships and what winds up killing my relationships? Being right. It is. Being right in relationships many, many times can be wrong. And I know you're like, what? That doesn't even sound right. But think about it this way. Think about how many times that you've been in an argument with someone, maybe your spouse, maybe a friend, maybe a family member, and you knew you were right. And so you brought all your arguments. You brought all your evidence. And you you proved your point, And you got your reasons and evidence out. And you you put them in their place. And you proved you were right. And you walked away from the argument. And your relationship was still broken. Now, why is that? Why do you think that happens that way? It's because a happy relationship is not built on you being right. It's not what it's about. In fact, I heard somebody say this this to me one time. He said, look, you can either be right or you can be happy, but you can't have both sometimes. See, you can be right, but sometimes you're just going to be right all by yourself. You'll be right alone because in the process of being right, you can wind up isolating yourself and pushing away the person that you love, the person you're in a relationship with. Being right, a lot of times, makes you wrong when you try to love another person. See, (laughs) when I win, the relationship loses. Winning an argument does not win you the relationship. But there is one thing that does win relationships, and that's love. And see, people who train their thinking to just see what's wrong, and here's what you need to change, and here's how you've got to fix this, you're just going to have a hard time loving people. And consequently, your relationships will suffer for it. Now, does that mean you ignore bad behavior? No. Does that mean that I can't point out things that are wrong? No, that's not what it means. But here's what it does mean. In the process of doing that, I have to remember what love does. See, we often forget this. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love always trusts, which means it always believes the best about the other person until it just can't do it anymore. Love always builds the other person up instead of tearing them down. So the question is, how do we become people who lean toward the positive in our relationships? How do I stop just focusing on what's wrong? Well, I think Jesus had a really great formula for this. Here's what he said. He said, don't judge others and you won't be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Jesus isn't saying here that you can't ever notice when something's wrong. In fact, he's guiding us on how to approach people when something's wrong in a way that preserves the relationship instead of tears it down. Jesus says simply this. He says, look, if you'll just remember, when you go to judge something in someone else, if you'll just remember to apply the same standard to yourself that you're applying to everybody else, you'll be better off in the end. Because often when we judge something about another person, it blinds us to the truth about ourselves, right? Remember, we smell everybody else's bad breath and we never smell our own. So Jesus says, look, here's a better formula. The next verse, he says, Why would you worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't even see past the log in your own? And then he calls us hypocrites for that. He says, first go get rid of the log in your own eye, then you're going to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. See, there's a question that you and I should always be asking ourselves whenever we feel like we need to point out somebody else's flaws. We ask ourselves, am I willing to invite this same person to point out my flaws right now? Am I willing to allow them to judge me with the same standard that I'm using to judge them right now? And Jesus says, if you're not willing to say yes to that, you're a hypocrite. You're just a hypocrite. So am I. All you are right now is you're just frustrated and you just, you're just mad because they won't change. But you're not yet willing to allow God to look at you and change something in you at the same time. See, a lot of times when I wind up judging other people's flaws, all I'm doing is I'm just relieving myself of a responsibility to change the only person that I have the ability to change. And that would be me. And I'm just convinced. If we all just decided that we would follow Jesus' advice on this one, we wouldn't have nearly the relational problems that most of us have. Think about this. What if every single time you started to point out something that was wrong in another person, what if you saw something that irritated you or something that you wished they'd changed, what if you just stopped and you said, you know what, I need to do one thing before I say anything. I need to judge myself in the same way that I'm judging them. And is there something in me that needs changing? And if someone were to approach me about the thing that needs changing in me, How would I want them to treat me? How would I want them to speak to me? What tone of voice would I like them to use? And after you've spent some time answering those questions, and you've had those thoughts, then you're ready to go have the conversation. And I'll bet you that conversation goes a lot differently than it would have otherwise. Because think about it. When you're wrong, and let's face it, you're wrong a lot, so am I, we all are. How do I want to be treated when I'm wrong? Do I want somebody to just come and point out my flaws and be critical and be proven that I'm wrong? Or do I want somebody to approach me with love, with patience, a little bit of grace? So my question is, why don't we just do that? Why don't we do that in our families? Why don't we do that in our marriages? Why don't we do that with our friends? In fact, try and experiment for just the next week or so. Every time you see something that's wrong in another person, and you're going to be tempted to judge that thing, and it's going to happen, trust me. It happens all the time, particularly somebody you're in a relationship with or somebody that you love. Here's a prayer I want to give you. You just stop for a moment when you see that thing, that thing you want to change, and just pray this simple prayer. God, is there something that I need to change right now? Is there something in me that needs fixing? Is there something wrong in me? Is there something that I can say? Is there something that I can do? That would show love to this person in the same way that you show love to me when I'm wrong. You just pray that prayer and be honest about it. Spend some time focusing on what that answer is. What you'll be doing is you're using the same standard of judgment on yourself as you're about to use on them. And once you've done that, if you've got anything left to say, then you just go and have that conversation and do it with that attitude and that spirit. I'm just convinced that if we all spent time on this not dwelling on what's wrong with someone else, but dwelling more on what's probably wrong in me, we could probably fix almost all the relational problems that we're having in our world. And think about it this way. Isn't that the kind of person you want to be in relationship with? I mean, when you think about the person you want to be married to or that you are married to, or the person you, you work for or that works for you, isn't that the kind of person that you want in your relational world? So the question is, why don't you just go out and become that person? Why don't I just go out and be that person? Go out and be a person who looks for the good instead of dwelling on the negative. Go out and be that person who judges themselves before they go to judge another. Let's bow for prayer, and we'll dismiss. God, we thank you for this teaching. And God, it is so hard sometimes to look at ourselves honestly and judge ourselves first before we judge others. so God, I pray for every relationship represented here, all the folks that exist in our relational world, that we would be the kind of folks that, that look not to the negative and not to what's wrong and not to just what needs fixing all the time, but that we would see with gratitude how good we have it, the people in our world, the good that's in them, the positive that's in them. And God, we would lead with those thoughts and not the negative, And we would dwell on what's right and not just what's wrong. And may that be something that fuels our relational world, and not tear them down. Thank you for this time together. Go with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week.